We're doing a little, just a message today on listening, which is kind of bridging our relationship series we've been doing with a new series we're going to start up uh, next week. We spent a couple months talking about more devotional ideas and prayer and connecting with God and last couple weeks talking about uh, relationships with each other. And, um, and uh, Jesus told us we're to love him with all our heart and soul and mind. And so we tend to do a rotation of messages that are more heart and more soul. And, and next week we're going to jump into a couple weeks of mind sermons where we uh, do a series called Across the Spectrum. And we've done it before. Here is where I take a theological topic and then I look at all the different ways different Christians look at that topic. And some people love the series. Some people think it's controversial. And it's both. But uh, next week we're going to look at the question of, of God and suffering. Probably the most common question we ponder in terms of the grave suffering we see on earth. How in the world does God, if he's all love, work with that? And I think you'll be surprised at the crazy wide amount of uh, range of different answers that Christians will give to that. And so that will be next week. Uh, what are we talking about listening today? And I am hitting the right buckle button, Michael. Yeah. This happened last week, but there we go. All right, let's begin. James chapter 1 says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Is this light going? This thing is so random. Let's hold on. Okay, I think we got it. Perfect. <clears throat> I think I hit something weird. All right, uh, let's start again. James chapter 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Uh, there's a reason God gave us two ears and one mouth, and that is because we are to spend more time listening than talking. And uh, we, we like to talk a lot. We like to hear ourselves. We like our opinions. We like to be right. There's a lot of reasons why we are not the best listeners, but the Scriptures calls us to be, to be good at listening, to develop the skill of listening, because it is a skill. It takes work to be a good listener, and to work at trying to hear people. Uh, true listening is when you listen to understand, to learn, and to feel what the other person is feeling. As G.K. Chesterton says, there's a, a lot of difference between listening and hearing. Just because you hear someone's words doesn't mean you're actually listening. True listening is when you're actually seeking to understand their position, trying to get into their heart, into their world, to, to feel what they're feeling, and to have empathy for them. Uh, but a lot of times we end up just, you know, we hear somebody and, you know, especially when it comes to conflict situations that we're formulating answers and like, I don't agree with that and rebuttals and we're interrupting and we do a lot of, tend to do a lot of judging and shaming and jumping in rather than being quick to listen. And uh, the scripture calls us to be people who are, are curious about people's stories. Uh, we very easily, when, when it comes to someone who disagrees with us, we often will look at that person and say, what's wrong with you? There's a far better question to ask. And that is, instead of asking what is wrong with you, to ask, what is your story? This is what it means to be a good listener, is when you're able to look at someone who really disagrees with you, instead of what's wrong with you and judge and shame them, to wonder, what is your story? Because the reality of all of our beliefs, our opinions, 
our ideas on different subjects are, are, are really a result of our story. They have to do with, you know, our epigenetics when we're born and the family we were born and how our parents treated us and what our parents taught us and our teachers and schools and the books we read and the things we've seen on TV and the religion we've grown up in and the ideas we have circled around and especially the experiences we've had, the experiences of suffering or joy. All of these things shape our story and result in our opinions and our ideas. And, and yet we so quickly look at somebody and say, what's wrong with you? Instead of asking, what is your story? So we're going to talk about that today. And uh, I want to talk about probably one of my ultimate favorite stories I've heard in the last few years. I don't know if you've read Trevor Noah's book, but this is a great read. Um, but in this book, he, he, uh, when he was initially born for the first six or seven years of his life, he grew up in apartheid South Africa, where, you know, uh, if you weren't of the European race, you were marginalized, and you had a different education system, and you had different, you know, stairways to walk up, and everything was segregated. And in high school, kind of after uh, apartheid ended, um, you know, there, most young black people didn't have work. It was like 50% unemployment rate because all of a sudden minimum, minimum wage was installed and therefore, you know, people who were abusing the young, young people couldn't pay them anymore. So it was like 50% unemployment rate. So Trevor Noah had to be creative in how he made money. And he got himself a computer and he would download music off the internet and make, make CDs for folks. And, uh, and this is the way he made money. And eventually... He got into DJing because he had all this music on his computer and all the other DJs around him, you know, just had vinyls and you can only have so many. And so he became quite popular because he could just keep DJing forever and ever because he had all of these songs. And uh, he, he became quite popular as a DJ. And, and part of his mix was he added um, a dance crew just to make it even more fun because sometimes he'd have some of the latest music which no one had heard and people didn't know how to dance to it. So he had this, this dance crew which would get people excited to really get into, into the new music. Now one of these guys he had on his dance crew was named Hitler. And, uh, and we might think it's weird, like what I was like, who would ever name their kid Hitler? Um, but you, this is where you need to understand apartheid South Africa. You see, under apartheid, there was, it was very segregated. If you were non-European, you, you got a totally different education than others. And so if you were a young black person uh, in school, uh, you would only have to go to school to age 13 because really the school was kind of designed to put you into the gold mines because that's where all the white people made their money. Uh, they didn't teach you about world history. They didn't teach especially about the atrocities that Hitler did because if they taught you that, then they might go, wait, hey, this is like the same thing going on in apartheid. They didn't teach those kind of things. Now, under apartheid, you had to give your kids European white names. And so a lot of people would choose a name from the Bible or they would choose, you know, a name of someone kind of powerful or some figure out there. And so a lot of folks named their kid Hitler because they had no idea what he did, but they just kind of knew he was some sort of powerful person out there. And so I want my kids to be powerful, so I'm going to name them Hitler, not knowing anything about what he did. And so there were a lot of these young folks named Hitler. Well, back to Noah and his DJ group. They were invited to this cross-cultural event held at an upper white class Jewish school. And uh, it, was, it was an event where they would... Um, uh, kind of show up and do their music. And, and this way you got to know is part of their dance routine was that Hitler was the, was the spotlight. 
because he was the most amazing dancer ever. And so when they would DJ and, and Hitler would come up, they would do, they put their hands up in the air with their palms down and they would start shouting, go Hitler, go Hitler, go Hitler, as he would do his dance move. So you bring this into the Jewish school and, uh, and they come up and they start, Noah pulls out and starts DJing with his thing and, and all the audience just gets into it. They're dancing, even the teachers and adults are dancing. And, and then comes the spotlight where they're gonna bring out Hitler and Noah shouts, go Hitler. And Hitler comes out and his whole group starts doing the go Hitler, go Hitler. And all of a sudden, all the audience stops and their mouths are open. And, and Noah, in his mind, has no idea why. He's trying to formulate, first he thinks, well, well maybe it's because these, the, Noah's dance moves are so amazing. Maybe that's why they stopped. And he's like, no, oh, that can't be it. Then he's thinking, oh, maybe the dance moves are too erotic. That's why they've stopped. And he begins to think about this. And then one of the adults comes up uh, out of the crowd and unplugs Noah's equipment and says, you guys are disgusting. And all of a sudden he thinks, hey, we are free. We're no longer under apartheid Africa. We can do whatever we want. I mean, he thought they were totally being racist and didn't like their cultural dance moves. And he was like, you guys are, you are racist. And, and so they started shouting louder, go Hitler, go Hitler. And they, they kicked him out of the building. And Trevor Noah and his crew left the building shouting, go Hitler, go Hitler, because they were trying to say, hey, we're free. And how dare you be racist? Meanwhile, the, the Jewish people are thinking, how dare you be racist and you're disgusting. And uh, both people left, obviously hurt, thinking the other group was totally being racist. When in the end, it was a complete misunderstanding of their cultures. Trevor Noah and his group had no idea what Hitler had done. And the Jewish white upper class kids had no idea that Trevor Noah and his crew were never taught what Hitler had done. And then that was a common name. I mean, if there were actually folks there saying, you know, instead of what's wrong with you, we're asking what's your story, this would have had a different outcome. Now, and this same scenario happens all the time in our world, all the time in marriages, all the time in relationships, all the time in churches, in communities, in our world, where we are so quick to assume and we think our assumptions are true, and instead of being curious, we just judge and shame. But the Bible calls us to be quick to listen that we need listening ears before judging and shaming ears. Uh, there are a lot of reasons why it's hard to be a good listener. Uh, one of them, I mean, I mean, we are cognitive misers, and our brain loves to save energy for the important things. It only has so much energy to uh, manage life, and so as quickly as possible, our brain wants to save energy by quickly putting an idea in a box and thinking we know everything about it. Therefore, it doesn't have to spend energy thinking about it and doesn't have to think about the gray and different opinions. It just like, here's the idea. I know what's true. And we put it in a box to save energy, which makes us horrible listeners because we think we're right about everything. Uh, secondly, we feel safe in our preconceptions and biases. I mean, our ideas make us feel very secure. They make us feel comfortable. It's like a little blankie when we're a kid. Because new ideas take brain energy. Different ideas challenge us and cause us to be frustrated and maybe emotional and insecure because now I don't know what is right or wrong or how the world works and that makes us really insecure. So again, we just like our ideas and don't want to listen because it makes us feel insecure. <clears throat> our scattered minds, I mean, all of us are busy. We have everything ringing and dinging and calling our attention. So it just... It just takes energy and effort and takes time to listen. We don't like that. Uh, we certainly like to win. feels good to win. This is why 
if uh, all the younger kids in your home always hate board games because they always lose, right, to the older kids. And because we like to win and we don't like to lose, <clears throat> to listen means sometimes we're actually going to lose. Uh, we're too busy. Uh, we fear being wrong. Uh, sometimes it's past hurts. Uh, trauma from a certain group of people or uh, a certain, you know, for a, you know, a father figure because maybe your dad was harder. Just hurt makes it very difficult to listen to certain folks. And of course, social media. A lot of great things about social media. I'm on social media a little bit anyways. Um, uh, but I mean, we can contact people. Uh, it's, it's awesome in a lot of ways. But at the same time, Social media has trained us to be terrible listeners. Because when you sit down with somebody and have a real conversation, you tend to ask more questions, you can see you know, their facial expressions. But on social media, and we all know this, when it comes to anything controversial, just go to our like, local Nelson Star Facebook page or something like that. What do you see? A, a news article... And then you get judging, shaming, judging, shaming, judging, shaming, judging, shaming. Very little questions. Very little, hey, what's your story? Or why do you think this? There's very little nuance. The social media is very much about, here's my opinion, and I'm right. <laughs> Shameful idea. Here's my opinion. I'm right. I'm going to judge you for that. And it just makes us very terrible listeners because all we do is hear your opinion. Well, here's my opinion. I'm going to judge you. You're going to judge me. I'm going to shame you. You're going to shame. And it just makes us terrible listeners in the end. In fact, on social media and just listening in general, we have probably the three most common uh, argument fallacies or logical fallacies, and you see these all the time. But when these come up, you know when they come out of your mouth that you're not a very good listener. And the uh, uh, first one is ad hominem, of course. This is when you attack the person making the argument rather than the actual you know, stuff they're talking about. And so if someone says, you know, I think chocolate ice cream's the best. Ad hominem would be, well, you're an idiot and you were born in that country, so I don't have to listen to you. Has nothing to do with what they like chocolate ice cream or not, but you, you pull down the person so you don't have to listen to what they say. And, and you see this all the time, you know. Well, you're a white person, so I don't have to listen to you. Or you're a black person, so I don't have to listen to you. And it, doesn't, it has nothing to do with what they're saying. It's ad hominem. Or the straw man, where you you arguing against oversimplified or otherwise distorted versions of your opponent's arguments. And of course, we see this all the time with the ongoing conflict in Canada. You know, people look at the, the convoy protest folks and, and they'll say, oh, they're all, you know, neo-Nazi white supremacists. And then those groups look at all the other folks who are pro-vaccine and they're like, you don't care about freedom. That is a straw man argument. Uh, the slippery slope, <laughs> you know, if you say this, then it means a million other things are going to happen, so that thing is false. You know, I see this all the time in the church. Well, if you believe that, well, we might as well just throw out the whole Bible. It's like, really? That's slippery slope. The Bible says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest and others too, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Sorry, I forgot my water. All right. Why should you be a good listener? A lot of reasons you should be a good listener. First of all, you will learn and experience a lot more. As soon as you shut down listening, you will shut down learning. 
And the less you listen, the less you learn, and the less you will actually experience in life. Uh, secondly, when you listen, you actually join with God in removing shame. You know, uh, God says, if anyone believes in him, they will never be put to shame. God is always in the business of removing our shame and, and helping us live shame-free. And we can join God in that by actually listening to people. I love what Brene Brown says. She says, if we can share our story with someone who responds with empathy and understanding, shame can't survive. Shame grows when we are faced with someone who judges and shames. Shame disappears when we can actually tell our story and people listen to us and try to understand and try to get in your shoes and all of a sudden that shame begins to crumble. Uh, you will hear God better when you're a better listener. First John 4 says, if someone says I love God but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love God... Uh, if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? In other words, he's saying, if, if you hate people and don't love them, then how can you say you love God? Because to love people means you love God. And the same can be said for listening. If you don't listen to people, how are you ever going to listen to God? <laughs> if you don't listen to those people who have a real mouth and like you can see, I mean, how are you going to listen to God who is spirit? When you listen to people, it helps you listen to God. <clears throat> and a lot of times... I'm going to lose my voice. I got too excited about the Trevor Noah story. <laughs> you know, a lot of times God will say things to us that are challenging. Sometimes God will whisper things to us that are, that are different than our own idea. And if we can't listen to other people who have different ideas, I mean, how are we going to listen to God who has different ideas? Listening to people trains us to listen to others. Uh, you're going to be more like Jesus because... Jesus listened a lot and asked a lot of questions. Uh, you're going to be able to diffuse and lessen conflict. Uh, most conflict is actually <clears throat> rooted in the inability to listen to each other. I mean, this is why we hire mediators. Another word for a mediator is someone who's willing to listen. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, when there is hurt, it's very hard to listen. So a mediator is brought in to listen to, listen to both sides and to bring down calm. It is amazing when you listen how you can lessen conflict. I mean, marriage advice 101, listen. Listen completely. Don't interrupt. Don't defend. Listen, listen, listen. And you'll be surprised what actually happens. And of course, the classic story of, of this is, uh, <clears throat> they made a movie about this, I think, a few years ago. Uh, C.P. Ellis and Ann Atwater. She was a social justice uh, person C.B. Ellis was KKK in the States back when uh, they desegregated schools. In fact, she hated him so much at one town council meeting, she brought in a knife to stab him. <laughs> so much they hated each other. <clears throat> the government made them actually uh, work together for 10 days to bring the schools together when they desegregated. And they became the best of friends because they were forced to listen to each other's stories. Uh, incredible story. In the end, they became such good friends, he left the KKK because she, he began to have empathy on her position and, um, and he asked Ann Atwater to do the eulogy at his funeral. Would never have happened if they weren't listening to each other. I mean, what can happen if we just actually listen to each other rather than attacking each other all the time? All right. <clears throat> How to be a better listener? 
Number one, assume you don't have the complete picture and that you have something to learn. Romans 12 says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And then it says this line, and don't think you know it all. Even if you think you know it all in a conversation, just pretend that you don't know it all. Um, this is something I've really had to learn because there's one time I thought I knew it all. I did. And when I first became a Christian and started studying stuff, I knew every, I, you asked me any theological question, I had the answer and I was right. Um, I think I said this before, my, my, when I, I think it was like maybe my first or second pastoral evaluation, it came back that I was judgmental. And it really was. And, uh, <laughs> and I remember, man, I used to love dispensational rapture theology, you know, the tribulation and the seven years of, and, you know, the church is going to get raptured and God's going to pour out his wrath for three and a half or seven years, depending on what your position is. And I remember defending that position with my fists, like, this is the only right position. And then when I was taking seminary classes, I took a class in the book of Revelation. And I was forced to read a commentary in all the different views. And I started reading these uh, books on totally different views. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a good point. And, oh, I didn't realize that before. And, well, that makes more sense than this. And all of a sudden, I came out of that class and was like, I don't even know what I think anymore. Uh, but it, it really humbled me. Because... When you listen to other views, you begin to grow and expand. And in fact, uh, there's this thing called the Dunner-Kruger effect, <clears throat> which says, if you don't have much knowledge in a field or you're new to something, you think you know it all. And if you think you know it all, it can be actually a sign that you're not very wise. Uh, the the, the Dunner-Kruger effect says, at the beginning, you know nothing about something. And then you begin to read stuff on the internet for about a year, maybe two. And all of a sudden, your confidence goes to the topic. You know everything about that subject. Anybody argues, you can slam the argument down because you know everything. But then eventually, as you can to, to grow mature, you go to number three where you're like, uh, there's more to this than I thought. And then number four, you're like, I'm never going to understand this because there's so many views and it's so complicated. And then eventually you get to this place where you're starting to make sense. And then you get to a place which is the level of a scholar, where usually it's, trust me, it's complicated. <laughs> uh, and that shows that you actually are really wise because you've actually listened to the other view, like really listen, not just pretend. And you can empathize with them. Doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but you understand. And therefore you understand that your position is complicated. You, you still agree with it, but it's like, yeah, there's these other good points and I'm not 100% sure, but it's just complicated. That is a good listener. Secondly, you want to ask questions, replace judgments with curiosity. Uh, Proverbs 20 says, the purpose of a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. This takes questions. Uh, instead of interrupting, well, yeah, but well, well, that's not my opinion, or well, that's wrong, or just say things like, oh, yeah, tell me more. Yeah, oh, tell me more. Just actually don't say anything. Because, you know, you can take the word listen and rearrange it. It spells silent because it's a good way to listen. Um, Jesus asked a ton of questions. You know, he, he did ask a lot of questions of both those who were for him and against him because Jesus, he was a good listener. I like the idea of um, providing a safe place where one can empty their bucket. And this is true listening. So you're in a conflict situation 
and often we get heightened in our, you know, our, you know, our reptile brain becomes alive and we want to attack and win and, and show them that they're wrong and a good listener will just be calm. This takes lots of good breaths. Trust me, I've had to do this. I mean, I remember, man, it was like 12 years ago or so. I remember someone came to my office and they were so mad. I don't even remember what it was about. But they were so mad and I just thought what they were saying was kind of ridiculous. I remember I was just, I just wanted to jump on them and say, this is stupid. Uh, I was just like, I was learning this back then. Breathing deeply, just listening. And the idea is you just let someone completely empty their bucket before you say anything, at least in terms of response. And it's amazing when you let someone completely empty their bucket and then you say, well, tell me more, get another drop. Well, I'll tell you more. Well, what about this? And you, know, you just let it all empty out. It's amazing how the emotions just go down and then all of a sudden you can have a real conversation. The problem is most of the time we don't let someone empty the bucket. They start to pour their bucket. They're like, oh, no, well, here's my bucket. And it's like, well, no, no. And you're not listening. There's a fight and you don't get anywhere, right? Or the concept of, hey, meet me on the bridge. So you have this side and you have this side, and there's a gulf that goes all the way down to hell, you know, in the middle. And you got these two sides, they're not unbridgeable. You just put a bridge, and then you, you walk out to the middle of the bridge, and you say, let's meet in neutral ground, and I just want to hear your story. And you're not fighting for your side, you're really just trying to genuinely know. And again, it's amazing what this can do. This is a great little documentary, I watched it not too long ago. It's called White Right, Meeting the Enemy. This, this gal grew up in a Muslim family, she's not white. Uh, she's a social justice warrior, and she wants to make a documentary about white supremacists. And so uh, she gets permission to actually meet with some of these folks and to join with them for a little while, and they know who she is. Uh, but the documentary is about how she gets to know these folks, and, and they share their stories, and how in the end, some of these white supremacists actually, uh, you know, re are, remove themselves from this movement because they actually got to know this gal. Would have never happened without listening. But because they are in a position where they actually could listen to each other and experience each other's lives and just meet on the bridge, all of a sudden, um, some of these guys left this sort of neo-Nazi Nazi group. Uh, James 3 says, sometimes it praises our Lord, talking about our tongue and our words, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Part of good listening is to realizing that that person you're talking to is someone who is made in the image of God. They're human. You, you might hate them, you might not like them. They're human, they're made in the image of God and therefore, and when you see them that way, it just helps you to, I, 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 you're worthy enough to listen to your view. I wrote this, uh, replace judgment with curiosity. When someone challenges our view, we often shut down the conversation with our judgments we want to shame people into changing. Judgments are assumptions, not truths. Staring, staying curious keeps conversations alive. Staying curious sees the other as worthy and human made in the image of God. Every person has a story that makes them who they are. Listen so that the other feels heard. And lastly, just try as much as possible to fully understand before responding. Again, this is Empty the whole bucket before you say things. And Proverbs has some things to say about this. Like Proverbs 18. To answer before listening, that is folly and shame. If anything is shameful, it's when you don't listen, the Bible says. Proverbs 18. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. According to Proverbs. Um, 
And last slide is just this idea that, you know, this is really being like Jesus. Jesus entered our world in order to connect with us. The Bible says he, he entered our neighborhood. He, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And this is what we do when we listen. We are entering into someone else's world in order to be like Jesus, to listen and understand and to see them as someone made in the image of God.